I'm here with uh, my co-host, Andrew Drez fernandez We're here on the Tackles and Turnovers podcast, recapping the 2020 NFL Draft. We uh, went over the first round with you guys earlier, but now the full draft is in the books, all seven rounds. All the players have been picked. Uh, undrafted free agency started already. We've seen some other guys, you know, get signed after the draft, but we're here to talk about what happened on days two and three. There were some real interesting picks, some head-scratching ones. If you're Aaron Rodgers, I'm not really sure what you're thinking about your future in Green Bay. But uh, we're going to uh, go over some of the best moves that we thought, the best draft classes, some ones that were questionable, um, and then the Packers, which are just in their own category of just uh, a horrible use of draft capital. I'm going to take a look at each of our favorite teams. Uh, Andrew will hit up the Dolphins and see how they did with their boatload of draft picks. I think Brian Flores and Chris Greer did a heck of a job, uh, you know, building a team. And I think they did really well in this draft. And then we'll obviously take a look at Bill Belichick and the Patriots, who uh, once again just draft a random defensive back in the second round. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully he turns out better than some of their other busts that they've had with Duke Dawson and Cyrus Jones. And uh, I don't really want to talk any further about it because it still pains me. Um, And then finally, we're going to hit on a couple of surprises from the draft. You know, a couple of quarterbacks that went on day two and three. Uh, where they ended up, and we'll kind of look at who we think is going to be an immediate impact player, our favorites for offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Um, So first, Andrew, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about um, which which teams do you think really knocked it out of the park as far as their overall draft class? Um, You know, I know there were a couple teams that really stood out to me, but first we'll we'll turn it over to you and, and let us know about your overall draft class thoughts. All right. What's up, guys? Um, Yeah, so... Interesting draft, definitely to say the least. I mean, a lot of play, a lot of teams, um, obviously, went into this without you know having their visits with the with the uh, the prospects. Um, so it was basically just tape and you know uh, the combine. Um, but the draft classes that kind of stood out to me, um, my number one draft class, I would have to say, is definitely the Jaguars. Um, to me, they drafted if not the best, the second best cornerback in the, in the, in the draft, um, and CJ Henderson. Um, so that, that draft class is definitely one of the best ones for me. Um, and then to turn around in the first round and then get, um, you know, the opposite rusher, um, of Josh Allen is Clavon chase on, um, so to get those two in the first, especially with everything that they're dealing with, I know we touched upon it on episode two, but um, to me, that's just what you know really stands out. And then to get LaVisca Chenault, which a lot of people thought um, are one of the better um, wide receivers, um, is definitely a big, big get. Um, also, to have all those draft picks that they had was is like amazing and you know i thought they did a really good job of drafting um my second favorite one i would probably have to go with the cardinals um let me just pull it up real quick i know they started off with isaiah simmons in the first and then they got the tackle that i wanted the dolphins to go ahead and get at number 18 um josh jones um they ended up snagging him in round three so you know maybe there's something that i'm missing there um and then uh, to close off the draft, they got Eno Benjamin to, you know, replace what David Johnson is going to leave there. And uh, I saw a few of his tape, and that guy's got shake. That guy's got strength. 
Um, and I really like the way that he runs. I think he's going to fit that um, that offense really well there with Kyler Murray. Um, so that was my that was my second favorite. My third favorite. Um, I think we both agree on this one. Uh, but hey, you know that's the that's the good thing about all of this uh, is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and they always, you know, they always do well in their drafts, even though this year I think is the first one without Ozzy, right? Ozzy Newsome. Um, so to get Patrick Queen, which I think is going to be the leader of their defense going forward in the first round, turn around and get a dirty player like J.K. Dobbins. And when I say dirty, I don't mean like, you know, bad in bad ways, but I mean, this guy is an absolute baller. J.K. Dobbins. Um, and Justin Matabuke, Matabuke, sorry, um, the defensive tackle from Texas A&M. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really good draft class, and I think they filled up a lot of their holes. Um, and that's basically – those are basically my standouts. Um, all right, obviously, I like what the Dolphins did, but we'll cover that a little bit later. Um, so that's, that's basically where I'm at with that. Um, well, how about you? Well, I have to agree. The Ravens did a great job. Uh, Eric DaCosta has taken over flawlessly for Ozzie Newsome. Uh, you know, they just seem to get guys that just – you look at them and you say, hey, that's the perfect Ravens player right there. I think J.K. Dobbins is going to be an absolute stud, uh, you know, paired with Mark Ingram. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I think two NFC teams uh, with brand-new head coaches, I think they did absolutely tremendous. The first one – Uh, being the Dallas Cowboys, Uh, Mike McCarthy. Obviously, I don't think he probably had any say in the draft because Jerry Jones is the uh, the czar and the overlord in Dallas. Um, (laughs) But I actually think that Jerry managed to do quite well for himself in this draft. CeeDee Lamb at 17, we talked about on our, uh, you know, second uh, episode. Absolute steal. The guy's a stud. Perfect receiver opposite Amari Cooper with Michael Gallup and Ezekiel Elliott and uh, breakout guy from last year Blake Jarwin at tight end I I would not be shocked to see the Cowboys um you know lead the NFL in scoring this year I think they're going to be loaded on offense um assuming that you know they figure it out with Dak about the long-term deal um I like some of their other picks in the uh, later rounds and and you know day two and three they really added three premium players on defense in my opinion Trayvon Diggs from Alabama um a long corner obviously the brother of Stephon Diggs uh, I think he could be, you know, an immediate play, impact player, starter. Neville Gallimore of solid, you know, pass rushing defensive tackle kind of gives him something different behind Don Terry Poe. Uh, Bradley and I was a fifth round pick. He has some, uh, you know, concerns about his 40 time and injuries, I believe. But the guy was a, a stud pass rusher in college and to get him in the fifth round was a major steal. Um, also in the NFC. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, I thought had an excellent draft and it kind of went a little bit different than most people thought, you know, with Matt rule and uh, Joe Brady coming into the fold, everyone probably expected them to go offense heavy. They actually, uh, totally ignored the offense for the most part. They actually spent (laughs) all their draft picks on defense. And I think that was a great move because as we've seen with a lot of teams, you know, if you can build a strong defense that can kind of make up for some, uh, you know, inconsistencies or, or lack of talent on offense which I'm not saying the Panthers do have a lack of talent. I actually think they're they're pretty solid, and I think they can make a nice turnaround if Teddy Bridgewater, um, you know, stays healthy and shows, you know, that he can make a little bit more of a dynamic plays down the field. But on defense, I mean, getting Derrick Brown in the first round was obviously a great pick. But I really liked what they did um, in the second round. They got uh, Jeremy Chin, the safety, 
um, in the second round. And they also got uh, Yater Gross Matos. I don't know if I'm saying the name right, but the guy's a stud. Both of those guys should be starters as rookies. I really liked, um, you know, those fits and values there. So they got three impact players, impact starters out of this draft on defense. And when you look at the uh, Panthers starting defensive lineup, you know, with those three rookies, plus K1 Short, Brian Burns, Shaq Thompson, Dante Jackson, that gives them seven players that should be starters that were either first or second round picks. So I really like what the Panthers did. And then my last uh, draft that I really think deserves a shout out, and it pains me to say this because I've hated this team for a while, but John Elway did an absolutely fantastic job with the Broncos. Um, I think that he did everything possible to give Drew Locke a chance to succeed in uh, 2020. He looked, you know, pretty solid, uh, you know, later in the season when he got his opportunity. But obviously adding Jerry Judy, who, in my opinion, was the best receiver in the draft. Obviously, the Raiders didn't think so because they drafted Henry Ruggs instead of him. But I think that was <laughs> we'll a, go into that later. Yes, we will. But that was a complete <laughs> steal for me. Uh, Jerry Judy is absolutely the perfect guy. Um, to compliment Cortland Sutton, who's kind of like that bigger down the field threat. Jerry Judy's a great route runner, great after the catch. Um, and then KJ Hamler is like that speed option out of the slot. That was a great pick um, in the second round. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, the center from LSU, was one of 14 LSU players drafted, which tied um, an NFL record. That guy should should be an instant impact starter. Um, if not, he will definitely be one by next year. I think that was great value. Um, in addition to that, you know, they added some, some other guys in, uh, in the third round on defense. I think the Broncos have really built a great offense, um, a great supporting cast around Drew Locke. They obviously added uh, Melvin Gordon in free agency. Um, they have Philip Lindsay there as that, you know, kind of pass catching guy of the backfield. Noah Fant was a first round pick last year. They added another very, very athletic tight end um, in the fourth round. I have no idea how to say this guy's last name, but he's, we're just going to call him Albert O. Uh, ran a four four nine as a tight end. So when you have him and Noah Fant, who also has insane speed, I mean, they're just building a track team to compete with the Chiefs. And I think that was a great job by uh, John Elway to really build his team around um, the strengths of his quarterback. And Drew Locke, as we know, has a freaking howitzer for an arm. Um, so, I mean, they've really done everything possible to give him the weapons to succeed. If the offensive line can hold up, then I think the, the Broncos are going to make a big turnaround on offense. So those were uh, my three you know, top drafts, um, flipping it over to the, uh, the dark side, the bad side, the John Gruden side, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about the teams that we felt did not utilize their draft capital. Well, they made some questionable shaky picks, some reaches, some weird trades. Um, Andrew, who stands out to you as a team that, uh, really disappointed and, uh, kind of, you know, didn't make the best of their opportunity in the 2020 draft. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're going to have a few of the same teams. Uh, and number one, I feel like, is definitely the Oakland Raiders. Um, the Henry Ruggs, I could see why you would go Henry Ruggs at 12. Um, but then to go at 19 and get Damon Arnett when you still had other elite cornerbacks there is definitely a head-scratcher, and we've definitely talked about this, I think, on the second episode about how, you know, we think that John Gruden and Mike Mayock are definitely like overthinking everything when they draft. Um, but then they continued it in round three when they got a running back, wide receiver, quarterback, whatever the, wherever the hell they're going to stick them. And Lynn Bowden Jr. Um, that definitely was like, what? I, I can't tell you. I don't know anything about whoever they drafted. So except for Tanner Muse, but you know, 
it is what it is there. And, you know, I feel like we all have the same feelings about the Oakland Raiders, especially since they can never just draft the top talent. I mean, obviously it's their team and they're going to draft whoever they think fit, fits it. Um, but that's just, you know, my opinion. And, you know, probably you have something similar to that. Um, and then my second least favorite draft um, is probably the Eagles. Um, and it could totally just be on one pick. Um, because, you know, obviously in round one, they got Jalen Rager. Um, and then in round two, you got Jalen Hurts, which, you know, for me is kind of questionable. I mean, I know they're going to, especially if they have an elite quarterback like Carson Wentz, um, who is often injured. So I understand that. Um, but Jalen Hurts, you know, to get Jalen Hurts as your backup, I feel like we'll, they'll run totally different offenses. Um and they're definitely going to have a few packages in which they're going to have Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz on the field at the same time. Um, so that should be interesting there. Um, but other than that, I don't think they did a really good job of fitting, filling their needs. Um, they didn't get a linebacker until pick 103 when they got Davian Taylor from Colorado. Um, but, you know, again, all just my opinion. <laughs> and well, then – I definitely yeah. agree with your opinion on the Raiders. And actually, I think you're being kind to John Gruden. Um, over on sportscasting.com, where I work, I actually wrote uh, a pretty scathing article about John Gruden. And I actually think that he's already proven to be a $100 million mistake. Um, consider the fact that the Raiders, through their trades of Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, over the last two years, they've had five first-round picks. All right? Now, you know, you as a Dolphins fan, as we'll get into later, you know how important utilizing those picks correctly can literally flip your franchise around. Um, I, I, I would tend to agree, you know, with most people in thinking that Derek Carr is not a franchise quarterback. I mean, I don't think he's a bust, but I don't think – he's a guy that they're going to win with. And I think John Gruden's shown enough that he probably feels the same way yet with five first round picks, they basically turned that into a huge reach with Cleveland Farrell over Josh Allen. Uh, Josh Jacobs was a solid, you know, rookie running back, but as we've seen spending a first round pick on a running back that rarely pays off. Um, their third round, their third first round pick last year was a strong safety, Jonathan Abram, who got hurt, didn't play his rookie year. And then this year they take, Henry Ruggs over Jerry Judy, and they take a corner that most people thought was a second-round pick at 16. I just think that utilizing those five first-round picks and turning it into those positions, most, you know, a running back, a safety, um, a one-dimensional speed receiver, um, an athletically limited defensive end, and then a corner who most people thought was a day-two pick, I think that John Gruden has absolutely blown um, the draft over the last two years. Um, you know, yes, they did get some good value last year with, like, Max Crosby, um, and Jacobs was a real solid player. I have no problem with the player. But in terms of value, I don't think the Raiders could have done any worse. They used five first-round picks, and they still probably don't have their answer at quarterback. Uh, Cleveland Farrell didn't look anything like a game-changing defensive end last year. Uh, and I have questions about Henry Ruggs as far as taking him as, you know, the top receiver like that. And Arnett, I mean, the guy just didn't belong at number 16. So I have to agree with you right there. I think the Raiders really blew this draft. Right. Um, and then my last, my last, my least favorite, I guess I'll go with is the Tennessee Titans. Um, I know they lost Jack Conklin, so I guess drafting Isaiah Wilson is, could be feasible, but at the same time, you know, I think that they were pretty, pretty much better, better tackles definitely on the board still there at 29. Um, and then in round two, Christian Fulton, 
Uh, they got the cornerback from LSU. Um, just, just, I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't make really any sense to me. Um, but you know, it is what it is. They're Tennessee Titans. Maybe next time, uh, uh, what's his name? The the head coach. I'm drawing blanks. That Tennessee Titans. Yeah, that's my boy coach. Mike Rabel, man. Come on. I mean, maybe right. next time he'll put more attention into the draft than you know having a nice setup on camera for the draft. Um, but it doesn't really make much sense for me. Uh, maybe you disagree, but it is what it is. Yep, I uh, I can see where you're coming from there. Uh, you know, obviously, I think the Packers did horribly in the draft. I mean, they're getting ripped apart for uh, you know taking Jordan Love with Aaron Rodgers, obviously still under contract and uh, really with an unmovable contract, uh, something I covered at sportscasting.com. You know, he has huge dead cap hits over the next two years, so there's no way they're moving on for him. So I don't really understand that pick. Uh, in day two, they drafted like uh, basically a plotting big running back, a tight end no one expected. They didn't add any weapons for him. I didn't like that draft. The Falcons reaching at uh, number 16 with A.J. Terrell. Um, I didn't like that pick either. Um, but ultimately, to me, the Raiders are the team that really uh, had a huge letdown. Um, so, you know, those are two two or three teams right there that should have done better, could have done better. But ultimately, they're going to have to really uh, step up to really, you know, shed that label of being some of the worst drafting teams this year. Um, yeah. You know, trying to flip things around and be a little bit more positive. Uh, we're going to let Andrew talk a little bit about how the Dolphins did in the draft. Obviously, we already covered the first night with uh, Tua, Austin Jackson, and uh, Noah. You can uh, fix the name for me, but, you know, the guy who turned his Olympic genes into a first-round draft selection. <laughs> um, but, you know, Andrew, talk to me a little bit about day two and three, your overall thoughts on the Dolphins draft class. Did you think that they maximized all the draft picks they had, and how do you think the team is going to look this year with um, all these rookies? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I do want to give a shout out to our whole division. I thought every team really drafted really well, especially drafting players that fit their strengths. Um, you're going to help us out with the Patriots, but I definitely like their their second and third round picks or their, their, their second and third overall picks that they were able to draft. Um, but for the Dolphins, um, I definitely know Igbenomini is what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> the cornerback from Auburn. Um, but the, in day two and three, um, they got Robert Hunt, which is a bully guard tackle kind of guy. I think they're going to go ahead and stick him in at guard. I don't know why you would put him at tackle, um, but obviously he could be athletic enough to, to, to swing out over there. Um, and then after that, they got Raekwon Davis, which, you know, pre the previous two to three years, we were looking at possibly one of the most elite defensive tackle prospects. Um, so to go ahead and get him in the second second round um, at pick 56, I think is going to be amazing. Um, I know he's six seven and, you know, plus 300. Um, so the town is definitely there for Raekwon Davis. Uh, obviously, his sack numbers uh, the last year are a little low. Um, so you like to see those numbers up a little bit more. Um, but again, coaching, I think a lot of these players, um, we drafted with the expectation of our coaches being able to actually coach the position. Um, so it's pretty exciting to see. Um, and then in round three, we got uh, Brandon Jones, which is a safety from Texas. Um, super smart player. Obviously, there were stories about him being hurt during the combine. 
Um, so what he went ahead and did was he studied defensive plays from all 32 teams. Um, so definitely a very smart guy. Um, and I think, I don't know if someone's actually going to fact check me, but I think he's the first safety taken from Texas since Earl Thomas. Um, so that should be pretty interesting. I don't think he's as fast, obviously, but I think he could be possibly just as smart, especially if you're studying all those plays. Like, that's ridiculous. I don't think I've ever heard of that. I don't think you've ever heard of that. So that's pretty amazing. Um, and then in round four, we got Solomon Kinley from Georgia. He's a, he's a, he's a guard. Um, and, you know, just a bully. So I think they are drafting players that, fit a mindset of physical freaks that are just going to intimidate you and push you around. Um, whether that's going to happen will remain to remain to be seen. Um, but that's the goal there, I think. And then um, they got uh, Justin Strawbridge from UNC in round five. Um, him and Curtis Weaver, I guess, were edge rushers that I guess kind of dropped for whatever reason, but um, the Dolphins liked them, so they want to have it and scoop them up. Um, so obviously we didn't draft any wideouts. We didn't draft any running backs. Um, but one move they made in the fifth round, um, I think all of us are going to love is when they traded one of their extra picks, um, in the fifth round and they got a running back like, uh, Matt Breida and, you know, to get proven running backs for a round five pick, I feel like is definitely a steal. Um, especially since we already have that bruiser and Jordan Howard. Um, to go ahead and pair Matt Breida with Jordan Howard is going to be definitely electric. Um, and it's definitely going to be exciting to see, um, especially since Matt Breida was doing really well this year, this past year with the, the Niners before he got hurt. Um, but it's definitely very exciting to see. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way about the Dolphins, but uh, that's basically my overall uh, coverage of them in a nutshell. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Dolphins played it safe and they and they ultimately, you know, were rewarded for doing so. They, you know, they didn't make an aggressive trade up. Um, they were able to stay there at number five and get Tua. Um, you know, I'm not sure Austin Jackson was the best value at 18, but I still think it was a good pick um, to address a, a major need there. Um, I think that the Dolphins are really poised to make a significant turnaround, um, especially if Tua is healthy and able to play this year. Um, and then moving over to the Patriots, um, you know, they didn't make a selection on day one. They traded back. They got a second and a third rounder for that. And with that first pick in the second round that they had at 37, they took Kyle Duggar, a uh, D2 player from uh, Lenore Rhine. But actually, despite his small school status, despite Bill Belichick's horrible draft history in the second round, for the most part, especially with defensive backs, I actually think this guy's going to be a stud. I think he's the perfect Patrick Chung replacement. Extremely athletic, 42-inch vertical, 449 speed, 6'1", about 215. So he has good size for safety. Also was a great punt returner. I think he had six uh, touchdowns as a punt returner in college, which is really great. Um, I think he's definitely a guy that could be the face of the defense with, uh, you know, aging safeties and um, Patrick Chung and Devin McCourty. Both are going to be 33 this season. Um, that's a position the Patriots really haven't addressed in the draft. So I think that was a solid pick, even though a lot of people kind of panned it. The next mm -hmm. two picks that they made, they traded up for Josh Uche, linebacker from Michigan, edge player, a little bit undersized with only 6'1". But I think the guy is going to be a stud, um, a great system fit, terrific production in college on limited snaps. So that might be seen as, you know, something of a, 
a negative for him that he didn't play all the time at Michigan. But I think skill-wise and system-fit-wise, he's excellent. Obviously, the next guy, Anthony Jennings, very productive at Alabama, not the best athlete. But I think, obviously, playing for Nick Saban, he's going to have no problem transitioning to Bill Belichick's defense. Bill Belichick loves those long, strong, long-armed outside linebackers to set the edge. You know, that's a guy that could kind of – both of them could kind of combine to help replace Jamie Collins and, and Kyle Van Noy. You know, the, the two picks that I think are really going to affect this draft class the most are the fact that the Patriots traded up twice in the, in the third round to select two tight ends, neither of whom were really ranked like among the top five of their positions, but the Patriots made them uh, a Devin Asiasi, the second tight end taken at 91 athletic, bigger guy, um, you know, size wise, you know, doesn't have great height, but a good body. And you look at, you know, some of his film, he, he, he looks like a guy that could make, you know, not going to say he's going to replace Gronkowski, but he could fill a similar role as far as that seam stretcher. Dalton Keene was a guy at Virginia tech that was tested very well athletically. Um, a lot of plays coming up sneaking out of the backfield as an H back type. Maybe he kind of plays more of that move tight end and Hernandez role, Um, Those two guys are going to be the keys here because the Patriots, despite having, you know, what most people would consider a major need at wide receiver and in a draft where wide receiver was historically deep, they didn't draft a single one. So they went, they doubled up on the tight end spot, which I I can't complain about, but like the dolphins, they did not draft a wide receiver. So that's going to be something that people are going to question um, in the future. Cause you know, Bill Belichick just really hasn't tried to address that position in the draft too often. Um, their later round picks, you know, they took a kicker in round five. Um, the guy really is uh, made more headlines because he has uh, supposedly a racist tattoo or something to do with <laughs> three percenters. I don't care about that. I don't care about the tat. If the guy can knock the ball through the freaking uprights, that's all I'm at. That all that's all that matters to me. Um, mm-hmm. And then they took a couple uh, offensive linemen in the later rounds. Um, the guy from Michigan, Michael Onwenu, I think this guy could be a starter down the line. He's huge, 344 pounds when he's in shape. Um, and uh, Pro Football Focus ranked him as the 128th overall prospect, and the Patriots got him uh, at 182 in the sixth round, and they think that he has starting potential, a very good pass protector. So I think overall the Patriots did well to add guys that fit their system. They did address needs with the linebackers, edge position, and tight end. Um, Duggar is a great long-term replacement for Patrick Chung. They get, a, they get their kicker, and they get some competition at offensive line later in the draft. They've signed a bunch of smaller speed wide receivers as undrafted free agents, including one of Jared Stidham's former targets at Auburn. So I think the Patriots, you know, it's nothing really to be excited about as far as, you know, big name recognition or superstar guys they have. But this was a a draft where the Patriots needed to, you know, build for the future and restock at positions that they've lost. So I can't really fault them too much for that. I think they did, you know, get solid value for some of their picks. And um, overall, you know, I'd say it was a solid, you know, B, B rating class that, you know, we'll see kind of next year, especially with um, some more free agent departures and guys retiring, you know, who steps up. But like you said, I think the AFC East in general did very well. Um, even Buffalo, I think, did got some good value. You know, AJ Epinesa in the second round. Um, another guy we're going to talk about later on, Jake Fromm in the fifth round. And actually, even the Jets, even the Jets managed to, to uh, not shoot themselves in the foot. I think they did well with Mekhi Becton. Denzel Mims, I think, could be a stud. Ashton Davis should be a starter as safety. Um, they took two Florida guys in, in later on in the draft as well. And an edge rusher, Jabari Zuniga. 
who uh, had a lot of talent, and Lamichael P. Ryan, who I actually think is a pretty solid running back that could, um, you know, be a, a nice compliment to Le'Veon Bell. So, overall, the AFC East, I actually think for the first time, and I don't know if this has ever happened before, I could honestly say that all four teams improved. They all made uh, solid picks, uh, you know, got decent value, and, and it's going to be interesting now to see what the AFC East looks like as far as the quarterbacks because Tom Brady ruled the division for 20 years. Now all four teams are basically going forward with, you know, young quarterbacks. They got Jared Stidham, uh, you know, a fourth round pick last year in, in New England. You know, the Dolphins have Tua, a top five pick. You know, the, the Jets have Sam Darnold, another top five pick. And the, and the Bills are still stuck with Josh Allen. But, you know, maybe not for long if Jake Fromm ends up impressing. Yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely feel like this is a completely different uh, division. Um like you said, like, I don't remember us ever, like, division-wide ever drafting very solid draft classes. Um, and it looks like we did that this year. I mean, you know, we still have to play this season and see what happens there. But uh, I definitely agree with you. I gave that division uh, a very, very good grade. Um, so, I guess now we're going to go into surprising picks, right? Absolutely. Uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I wrote about it again on sportscasting.com. Um, Jalen Hurts to the Eagles. You know, obviously a lot of people are kind of shocked by that. Um, you know, spending a, the 53rd overall pick on a quarterback who will be, you know, conceivably stuck behind uh, a $128 million quarterback in Carson Wentz. Now, for me, I actually like the pick a lot because I think Jalen Hurts has the, abil- the ability to become a starting quarterback in the NFL, especially with how the game has changed today. Um, a very athletic guy. I don't discredit the fact or discount the fact that he was able to produce at a high level at Alabama and Oklahoma, you know, despite, you know, having to fill in the footsteps of Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield and also have to kind of, you know, fend off and deal with, you know, Tua on the bench and taking over for him at Alabama. Um, to me, it's it speaks a lot more about Carson Wentz and how the Eagles probably aren't very confident that he could stay healthy. Um, and to be quite honest, I think, that Carson Wentz number one is overrated he had one great season that was at you know at an MVP level in his second year and he's finished the last three years of his you know career uh injured so to me I think it speaks a lot to how the Eagles probably aren't confident that he's going to be able to make it through the season again and I think they were 100% justified in that um the only issue is you know you committed yourself to Carson Wentz financially and I'm not quite sure how you're going to get out of that it's a little similar to the Packers and Aaron Rodgers um, but I think Jalen Hurts, you know, landing there is going to be a very interesting situation to watch. And something that I kind of proposed is let's say Carson Wentz gets injured. Jalen Hurts steps in and, you know, plays well, which he's done, obviously, at, in multiple stops in college. What happens if Jalen Hurts, you know, takes the team and goes, you know, 4-0 and while Carson Wentz is nursing an injury? Do you put him back to the bench and put Wentz in again? Um, and that's going to be something that I think is going to be very interesting because the chances of Carson Wentz making it through a season healthy are pretty low. Uh, and then let's say Jalen Hurts steps up and plays well, you know, what are you going to do there? Because to me, you don't spend a second round pick on a quarterback to be a backup. You don't spend it on him to be a gadget player um, unless you're the Dolphins and Pat White, you know, uh, 12 years ago. But I don't really see how you could take this as any other way as they see him as a possible successor or a guy that's going to take over because Carson Wentz can't stay healthy. Yeah. Um, I definitely have a few ways I could go with this. I could either go, I think I'll go the way we haven't talked about. Um, the 
the the Lions drafted DeAndre Swift in the second round. Um, and this is this is nothing to DeAndre Swift. I love DeAndre Swift. I think he's going to be a great back. I just don't understand why the Lions would spend a second round pick on DeAndre Swift when they already have Carry On Johnson. Um, could it be because they feel like Carry On might be an injury bug, or you know, I just didn't really quite understand it. Um, Carry On Johnson was like the first running back since I guess like Barry Sanders, I think, to get a hundred yard rushing game. Um, so that. You know that's pretty amazing, and I think we we could we both like carry on Johnson. So DeAndre Swift is definitely a question mark for me there. Um, let's see, are there any other picks that I don't like? Hmm. This is the thing with drafts. I'm horrible at covering drafts because there's so many freaking picks. <laughs> well, what did you think of Jake Fromm falling all the way in the fifth round? What do you think about his future in the Buffalo? Do you think that he should have gone higher? Um, what's his ceiling? I mean, I think the guy has a lot of tools to succeed. I think I'm not quite sure landing in Buffalo was like the best fit for him, but I think that it was definitely a surprise to see him fall that far. Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely agree, but uh, it's. I think it all depends on Josh Allen, right? Like, we all know he can run the ball. We all know he has a cannon. Um, but does he take that step? to uh, mature as a passer does he become a does he become a, a quarterback or does he stay as a thrower um, I think those are the biggest questions there surrounding Jake Fromm uh, I am amazed that Jake Fromm lasted fell all the way to the fifth round um, especially since I saw some quarterbacks get drafted ahead of him that were kind of like kind of head scratchers but um does it mean that they don't have any faith in Jake Josh Allen or, you know, is jo- Jake from really just there to as a safety net, I guess you would say, um, I know, you know, the wonder lick he scored the highest um, and, you know, definitely, he definitely knows football uh, from the X's and O's standpoint. Um, and you could tell that instantly just from like listening to YouTube videos and watching him talk about it. Um, so We'll we'll have to see, right? I mean, I know you're not that you're not a Josh Allen fan at all, but um, he does do some pretty good things running the ball. But at the end of the day, you do play quarterback, um, and he's taking some massive pops, man. I mean, I remember watching him, and you know he was diving into the end zone, and I don't know how he popped up, um, but you know it, it is what it is for for that. Um, do you have any other picks that stand out to you? Um, I don't think anything else like really stood out badly. Um, I think that there are some guys that landed in areas where the, the fit is questionable. Um, but I think obviously the quarterback, the quarterback picks to me are the most interesting because both of those teams, the Packers uh, and the Eagles, you know, spent early round picks despite having very, very highly paid quarterbacks. And the controversy that's going to ensue over the next, you know, year, two years is going to be really interesting to watch. And my biggest issue is the fact that if you are those two teams where the Packers were literally one game away from the Super Bowl last year, how is drafting a quarterback in the first round and not providing Aaron Rodgers with a weapon helping your chances of winning? Is this an issue of Matt LaFleur, you know, kind of fighting back and trying to gain a power over Aaron Rodgers? You know, what are the Eagles doing with uh, Jalen Hurts? You know, is this guy going to be a Taysom Hill, you know, a, a package player? Is he legitimately 
just drafted to be a great insurance policy as a backup? Or is this a guy that could actually end up playing? So, you know, as far as like helping your quarterbacks, your franchise quarterbacks that are paid like ridiculous amounts of money, I don't see how either of those picks could really be justified. I don't like Jordan Love. I do like Jalen Hurts. So I actually am kind of rooting for the guy if he does get an opportunity. But ultimately, if I'm a fan of the Eagles or the Packers, I'd be freaking pissed about how the teams just spent early round draft capital not helping their quarterback directly. In fact, probably putting pressure and making for a very awkward quarterback room this year. So those are two situations I'm going to be looking forward to watching. And, um, you know, we're going to wrap up here today just kind of talking about our favorite guys for uh, offensive and defensive rookie of the year. You know, obviously that depends a lot on the fit and the situation you're in. Um, For me, I think I'm going to try and, you know, stick from not picking Joe Burrow or Tua because quarterbacks are really easy to pick for that. I'm kind of looking more as a skill player who landed in a great situation that I think is going to be tremendous. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, I think the offensive rookie of the year has to be, cd lamb i think this guy is going to be an absolute stud you know amari cooper demands a lot of attention michael gallup is also a solid player and zeke you know they have to respect the run so i think cd lamb is going to have a ton of one-on-one opportunities um especially in the red zone where he demonstrated at oklahoma that this guy can go up and get the ball put it in the end zone i think that's going to be awesome um i think that's a great fit and number two i think and this is a guy that we discussed on the first day, uh, someone that I absolutely love as a prospect. I think he landed in the perfect situation um, in, a, in the NFL's best offense. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, I'm not sure if he's going to get the carries because of their passing offense, but I think this guy is going to be a day one impact player, fantasy stud. Um, he doesn't have a ton of competition there. You know, Damian Williams is there, but I think that he's going to quickly emerge as like the most talented back, the most versatile so I think those are the two first-round fits for me, and those are the two guys that I think have a great chance of winning Rookie of the Year. If not, they're still going to be studs, um, especially because, you know, quarterbacks typically win that. I don't see how Jer- Joe Burrow or Tua doesn't, but those two guys to me are going to be, you know, day-one impact players. Yeah, uh, definitely my one of my favorite picks of the draft was definitely Clyde Ed- Edwards-Alaire. Um, and it's totally just for everything you just said. Like, if we're talking about scheme, he fits that pass catching, route running, and you know, just the ability to take a five yard like in all the way to the house. Um, but just to, to be a little, have a little um, variety to the pod. Uh, my offensive rookie of the year, I'm probably gonna go with Jonathan Taylor, the running back. At, um, from the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and I know we didn't really give them much love, but I think they had a really good draft. Um, and, you know, that they were able to put Jonathan Taylor there behind um, Phillip Rivers. Um, I think that's the only thing that's going to stop him is if Phillip Rivers feels like he needs to throw the ball 40, 40 times a game. Um, but if they run the ball, I really like that pick there. Um, so he would be my offensive rookie of the year. Um, and my defensive rookie of the year, I know that Chase Young is going to win it. Um, but again, just to add a little variety, um, I think I'm going to roll with my guy from the Ravens, Patrick Queen. Um, I can't understate to you, like, I, for me, I feel like you build a defense around an inside linebacker because that's kind of the quarterback of your defense. Um, and to get Patrick Queen there in the first round, 
Um, I hope they're able to build a good defense around them. I know they're the Ravens, so I know that's exactly what they're going to be doing. Um, so those are going to be our picks there. I mean, I, there's a lot of interesting picks that you could go with, but I think I think we did a pretty good job of picking the players. Yep, I agree with you there. I think um, you know Chase Young has to be the odds-on favorite. Patrick Queen as a linebacker, um, it's 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 kind of easy for those guys to win that award just because they can usually pile up huge tackle stats as rookies. So yep. another guy that could be in the mix there could be a guy that we both like, Kenneth Murray, the linebacker the Chargers selected with the twenty-third overall pick. I think that guy could definitely uh, challenge for that for that award as a rookie. Um, you know, another guy that I think could – it would be tough for him to do it, but I think has the talent to do that um, would be Jeff Okuda from the Lions. I mean, the guy was the third overall pick. You don't spend that on a corner unless this guy's going to be a lockdown, shutdown, instant impact guy, kind of like Patrick Peterson, um, So who obviously did the same thing and made the Pro Bowl in each of his first eight seasons. I think that guy, you know, is obviously replacing Darius Slay as the number one corner. Whether teams are going to target him enough or he can rack up interception stats, I, you know, that remains to be seen. But I think he's going to be another guy that's a plug-and-play starter. I was kind of shocked that the Lions didn't trade down. So, for me, for them to stay there and, and select Jeff Okuda, that says a lot about his talent. Um, another guy, I think, you know, if we're looking in the defensive backs in the second round, I hate to say it because I don't really like him as a player, but I can mm-hmm. understand why people do. Um, he has talent, but he's just a terrible tackler. But the fact that he's playing behind a really, really talented defensive line, I think Grant Delpit, you know, safeties can, you know, rack up those stats and he could be an instant impact day one starter. Um, I think he's another guy that you have to look at in the mix. But um, overall, you know, this draft class, I'm not quite sure, has like those instant impact edge rushers that are going to pile up double digit sacks. So I think Chase Young's got to be the favorite. And, you know, a couple linebackers behind him would uh, be up in the running for that defensive rookie of the year title so that is going to do it for us uh here on our third episode of tackles and turnovers uh andrew and i you know covering the 2020 nfl draft uh hopefully we'll be back again next year to do the same maybe bring on a couple guests maybe uh try and reach out to some players let's see what happens we'll see how the podcast grows but um i think we did a good job covering the draft you know every team you know has an opportunity to rewrite their narrative set themselves up for a new season there were some teams that really did well that are surrounding their quarterbacks with, with talent. There's other teams with veteran quarterbacks that made very questionable picks. They're not really seem to be helping their team. And then, uh, you know, here at home, the Dolphins, you know, obviously make a franchise changing pick. Hopefully their first, you know, real franchise quarterback since Dan Marino, which is crazy to think it's been that long. But I think Tua has the opportunity to do that. We'll see what Jared Stidham does in New England and the AFC East to me is wide open in 2020. So, um, that's going to do it for Andrew and I here on Tackles and Turnovers. Thanks for listening, guys, and we uh, look forward to bringing you more NFL content uh, in the coming weeks. All right.